This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Precious Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for each and every person here tonight. Thank you, my precious Father, for your amazing love that you pour out in our hearts tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that I submit myself completely to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher here, Lord. I give myself to you. Thank you that you take this word and minister to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So how many of you, this is your first time in church this weekend. Let me see your hand. Be brave. Come on, let me see who you are. Okay, so just a few of you, but anyway, just let me then, for your sake, just recap for a moment, because we're going to be speaking about the seasons of life, and we're walking through seasons of relationships, and really, um, I covered quite a bit of things this morning, so let me just quickly try and recap. We spoke about the holiness of our bodies. We also looked at this at the first relationship that we go through, where we just think it's perfect the season of blindness and how to handle that. And I gave you three points of how we can handle that. So we're just going to keep going to the next season. And let me just remind you that we're studying the book of the Song of Solomon. And really, he was the wisest man who ever lived before, besides Jesus, right? And it's amazing the way that he just opens up God's way of loving and God's way of having relationships, using a lot of metaphors, which we will, of course, try and uncovered together. Also, a reminder that in this book, there are three parties, okay? You have really three spokespeople, as it were. You have Solomon, who is sometimes called lover. You then get the Shunammite woman, who was his girlfriend and then became his wife. And then you have this chorus of, of ladies called the, the Daughters of Jerusalem, and they essentially are her friends or really more like her, her chaperones. So we're going to pick it up right away from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 11, and it starts by saying, see, the winter has passed. So that's a very distinct season that we all recognize immediately, right? And if I say winter, what is the first thing that comes to mind? cold. So what do we do when it's cold? We stay inside. Okay? So this is a season that we spend more time inside. Now, the time is going to come in the spring where we can do all that stuff outside where it's great fun to be out there. But right now we're coming out of a winter season in this relationship and we're talking about what's on the inside of us. Now in winter, I'll tell you something that I hate about winter, is the grass looks so terrible. <laughs> it's so dry and cracked and dreary, right? And you're going to be so impressed with me that I know this. But that's not the time that we put a, a mixture of high nitrogen over the grass. Because nitrogen makes the grass lush and green. But we all know that winter is not the time for the grass to be green. Is that right? What we do in winter is we put a, a mixture that has a high percentage of phosphorus in. And what the phosphorus does is it actually feeds the roots of the grass. You see that? What the Bible is saying here is there's a time for lush and green, but then there's a time that we have to focus on the roots. And that's the winter season. It carries on. It says the rains are over. Well, that would be like in Cape Town where they have winter rains, okay? But really what we're saying, we're preparing now for the springtime. And spring, family, will only be as good as our preparation in winter. 
continues, it says, flowers appear on the earth, the seasonal singing has come, and oh, the cooing of the doves. So we're ramping up this relationship here. Can we see? We're getting excited. Something's happening. So let's carry on. This is now her speaking, and this is in Solomon chapter 2, verse, Song Solomon chapter 2, verse 14. She says, my dove in the cliffs of the rock, in the, listen to this, in the hiding places. So, so where has Solomon been at this time? He hasn't been out in the town with all the ladies. In fact, he hasn't been taking the Shunammite lady out a lot. He hasn't been playing on his phone for all hours of the evening or the night, okay? <laughs> he's, been on, he's been in the hiding place. Listen to this. On the mountainside where he's been developing his face. Now, don't laugh. This has got nothing to do with the way he looks. It's talking about his character. So whenever we see face or voice, we're speaking about character. So really what we're saying here is, what values have you bought into at this point? In other words, let me see who you really are deep on the inside. We can see that this relationship is going a whole lot deeper than the love is blind, right? Because now she says, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. And let me say it like this. Your character is awesome. Okay? Why? Because he had entered into a season of preparation. Now, that's the word you need to write in there. Now, family, I'm, this is something we need to bring back into our churches, into our schools, into our societies, our relationships. We need to fight for each other. We need to fight for the season of preparation. Because if we prepare, we know that we're going to enjoy the fruits of that later on. You know, as I said this morning, it just seems that we're so good at doing this with academics and for our job and for our career. We're going to apply this to our relationships too. Now, how do we do that? Here's the first thing. We're not going to go out looking for a spouse. You know, I need a spouse, I need a spouse, I need a spouse. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. You don't want to find the right person. Okay. We're going to become the right person. Amen. You see, this is good for us married folks as well. We need to become the right person. Sometimes we even hear this in married, with married people. You know, I've, we've been married for so long, but you know, I've now found my soulmate. You know, I, I work with this person and, and that's actually my soulmate. No, 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 no. You don't need a soulmate. You need a spirit, your spirit to be developed. Okay? It's a season of development. And this should be in groups, in church, in friendships, in families. That's how we do it. Don't expect just our parents to take a hold of this and our mentors and our pastors. Let each and every one of us, let us make this decision. I'm going to make 2019 my year of growth. I am going to go. I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to become mature. I'm going to become the right person. Because you see, when you become the right person, then you're going to find the right person. And for us that are married, don't always look at our spouse to change. You know, sometimes if we change, that change will come in, in, in our marriage as well. So for those of you who, who are believing for the right person, I promise you the right person will find you. Why? Because you made yourself ready. If you get yourself ready, you separate yourself from the others. Now, in the Jewish culture, what happened there was that the daddy would take the responsibility for this for his son. And this boy, the first thing that he would do is he would have to go out there and, and build himself what is called a chuppah, or a, spelled chuppah, okay, a chuppah. And what that was, it was literally, it means a house. He had to go and 
build this house. And he would be there building the house, and he couldn't cut any corners because Daddy himself would be there, and he would be supervising the whole thing to make sure this thing was done correctly. Now, what a beautiful picture where you see this, this man building this house and Daddy standing over him and helping him. And if you had to ask him at that time, when are you getting married? He would say, only Daddy knows. What a thought. Jesus, oh gee, family, get this. That's what Jesus is doing for us right now. And if you ask him, when is this going to happen? When are you going to get your bride? Only daddy knows. Only daddy knows. Give him glory. Only daddy knows. But the day would come when dad would say, son, you are now ready. And that is why in a Jewish wedding, what you'll see is you'll find, where's my thing? You took too long. Okay, what they would have is they would have a canopy like this that would actually be held over the bride and the groom. Isn't that beautiful? Now, that would indicate, thank you guys, that would indicate to everybody that this boy had prepared this house, right, so that he could take his beautiful bride into a well-prepared house home. The bride would be the same way. She would be prepared by the mother in godliness. What a wonderful thought. And really the greatest gift, and also too, she would be extremely close regarded. Her, her, her integrity would be completely watched all the time because the greatest gift that a woman could give to her husband was her purity. And even the friends would be involved in this. If they, what would happen is they announced their, their engagement. They would have a year-long fast. And in that time, you would have this group of men, and they would be watching over the groom, and you would have this group of women, and they would be watching over the future bride. And they would literally walk with them all the time and protect them. Now, my husband speaks extensively on this in the marriage course, so we encourage you to, to get on that. It's really interesting. But friends, we need to do that for our friends. We need to be there. We need to ask questions like, where are you going? What are you doing? You guys that are at university students, don't just party. Protect one another. Say, who have you been with? Why do you get home so late? And don't cover. You know, oh, no, come stay at my house, and then you can go to your boyfriend's house. Uh -uh -uh. Uh -uh -uh. Let me tell you, groomsmen and bridesmaids, their job was to protect and to protect the purity of, those, of, those, of the bride and the groom. So it was, they're not just there for the photo shoot. That's what they are today, okay? They're there to protect us. The groomsmen would actually wear swords to make sure that nothing came. Just make sure that this, this groom is protected all the time. Family, we've got to get back to that. We need to protect each other. You with me? So we're going to become the right person. And then the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to walk in love. So we're not going to fall in love, okay? It sounds like I fell off the platform or fell into a ditch. We're not just going to let our emotions fall. You know, this thing about, you know, I've, I've been married for 20 years, but, but, but now I've found my soulmate. No, 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 no. You need, you don't need a soulmate. A soulmate will drop you just like you dropped your emotions. <laughs> you need a spirit mate. Your soul will lie to you. I promise you. Okay, we're not going to fall in love. We're going to walk in love. So what does that mean? L love is not a feeling. If you're going to wait for a feeling, you're in the wrong place. Love is a choice. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, we read this last week in the New Living Translation. It says, let love be your highest goal. 
because it's a choice. It's something that I've decided to do. The best way, listen to me, family, the best way to learn how to love, how to walk in love, is to, and to develop love for other people is to serve people. That's the reason we encourage you to go on growth track. Not to manipulate you, but you can go there, find out what God has called you to do. We're in a unique position that he created you in your uniqueness that only you can fill. So we love you in this church, and we really would like you to serve, but I want to tell you that it worked out fine when you weren't doing it. Okay, this is for you. The motivation is for you to fulfill what God has for you. Now, when we get into this habit of worship one and serve one, just imagine you go out into the pouring rain, get soaking wet so you can bring somebody else into church dry. We start learning about sacrificial love. Amen? Now I'm serving others, and I become somebody and every single person should be on the dream team. Not because we need you, because we, each and every one of us, need it to develop our ability to love sacrificially like God does. So where do we start? Well, one thing is that we're not going to make it all about that person. You know this thing about, you complete me. If I can just get married... It sounds really cool, but think about it. If that person completes you and they let you down, what, now you're incomplete again? <laughs> we cannot fix all our hopes and dreams on one person. We can only fix all of our hopes and dreams on God himself. He is the only one that will never let us down. And that's the problem. We put so much pressure on people to be something that only God can be. You know, if I can just get married, then he's going to complete me. Remember, he's not perfect. Only God can be that person. And as we serve in this relationship, then God will complete the two of you. Amen? So let me say this. This is so profound to me. Anything that you idolize, you will eventually demonize. Anything that you love, except for God, will disappoint you sooner or later. Amen? So let's be careful never to put anything above the way we treasure our love for God. Okay, that always comes first. Watch now, this is now just the season before they get married. Man, this is getting exciting. This is Solomon talking now. Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15, he says, Catch for us. Now notice he says us. And young men, notice that he takes the initiative on this. He is the one that is guarding this relationship. He says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Now, the vineyards in this poem are speaking about the body. Okay, listen to this. Our vineyards that are in bloom. Man, this is happening soon. But listen to this. This is what would happen. The foxes would come into the vineyard and they would eat the fruit before it ripened. Let me put it this way. Before it had fully matured. Now this verse is just as graphic as you think it is. Okay, he's talking about exactly what you're thinking about right now. <laughs> These little foxes would come in and they would destroy the innocence. They would take something too early. Now don't forget our ground rules, right? If that's been you, we're going to walk out of here today clean and pure, a fresh start, a new beginning, right? A spiritual virgin in Jesus' name. But listen to this. Solomon says we need to enter into a season of purity. Now, if you feel you're not pure, get in line, okay? But from this day, I'm going to walk out of here 
pure because Jesus has washed me clean. But from this day forward, I'm not going to act like a muhu anymore. Okay? No, I'm going to do some things that are going to catch those foxes. What am I going to do? I'm going to put parameters around my passions. Now, we as South Africans, we are passionate people. And sometimes, amazingly, our passions don't line up with the Word of God. Okay? Now, don't sit here and think, you know, that's never going to happen to me. I've got news for you. You'll end up being a statistic. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to know that this is there, but we're going to be really smart. We're going to let the fire burn, but we're going to put it in the fireplace. Right? I'm not going to just start my fire anywhere. I'm going to find the area that I'm passionate, and you should know what yours is. And wherever that is, I'm going to put parameters around that. Okay? So, I need, as I said, we need to stop thinking, uh, this is never going to happen. Right? So I'm going to have passion, I'm going to have the fire, but the fire is only as good as its containment. Then it's nice and warm, and I can toast some marshmallows in it, and everything's cool. Family, if that thing gets out of control, it will destroy you, and it will destroy your life. Use your family as a safeguard. And by family, I mean anyone that's close to you. We are your family. Let's not forget that. You have a church family, you have a pastor, you have a group. You have people, and, you, and then use them to become your protective ally. Family, each and every one of us needs a family. We need a spiritual family to protect us. Let me tell you something. Apostle Thea and Dr. Bev have submitted themselves to a spiritual family as a safeguard. For those of you who have been on growth track, you know that this church have put safeguards in every area of the ministry. Us as a management team, we have made a covenant with each other to safeguard each other. Every single person on staff has signed a covenant to safeguard each other. We need to do that. We do not want something that we do, okay, that is stupid, to mess up stuff, to cause the ministry to, su to suffer. And let's face it, every one of us is just one step away from stupid, especially the one looking at you, right? So we need to safeguard ourselves. We need to let our family be a protective ally, somebody that will protect us, even from our telephone. How many people would you allow to see what's on your phone? What are you downloading? What are you looking at? We've got to protect each other. And if we've messed up, let's make a decision. I'm going to live my life in purity from now on. And let Jesus make all things new. Now, as I said, if you've messed up, it's fine. Jesus is going to wash us clean tonight. You do not walk out of here condemned, right? Let's have a look at this. The Song of Solomon, chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love before it so desires. What it's talking about here, do not arouse love before it's time. It's okay to, to have love. It's okay to want that thing, but in the right time. Amen? So I want you to know that in marriage, the odds are against you. Right now, the statistic is 50% is the divorce rate, right? and it's measured on an annual basis of annual marriages. Effectively, it's one out of three. Do you know that that is just like terrible? Imagine one out of three people that you come across are divorced, okay? But how 
think about this. If, if somebody, just to make it a reality, imagine you go and buy a plane ticket. You buy the ticket and they say to you, uh, one out of three of our planes went down. Have, have a nice flight now. <laughs> what are you going to say? Sorry, I'm, not, I'm actually not flying. <laughs> okay? You wouldn't take that, those odds anyway, and yet we do it. Now, really great news is there's a major university in the States, and they did a study on how they could increase happy, happy marriages and successful marriages. And they came up, <laughs> this is amazing, of how we can change the odds to one out of 1,126 by just doing three things. Number one, pray together. Number two, read the Bible together. And number three, attend church together. Imagine that. This church, the plane will not go down because we're praying together, we go to church, and we read our Bibles. Now, if you're going to wait for yourself to, to feel like it, you know, I heard somebody saying one day, I so enjoy the message when, I, when we, we decided to come to church today. I'm like, you were not going to come? I mean, like, what, did you fall out of bed and say, oh, maybe I'll go to church? Family, if we're going to wait for our feelings, let's make a decision. I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to come to church. All I'm trying to do here is turn the odds the right way around. One in every 1,126 as against one in three. Come on, family. So the key to building a great marriage, and actually any relationship, is living a God-first life. And this is going to take sacrifice. Let me read to you Romans 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And this is your great, amazing thing that you've done. Your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Some time ago, when Gareth was with a band called 180, they recorded a song called The Mystery of Sacrifice. And it's speaking about laying your life down so God can live his life through you. Now, that's what covenant is all about, isn't it? That's exactly what the born-again experience is all about. Our Christian faith is based on that. Now, in the scriptures, we know that the marriage covenant is a type and shadow of the covenant that we have with Christ. We know that, right? Listen to this. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Watch this, family. We can see here it is the only place in the Bible that a man is likened to God. It says that the husband is likened to Christ. And then secondly, God is love. So when it says that the husband is to love his wife, it is to live, display the very nature of God in his, in his marriage. And then once again, we see the sacrifice, right, where the husband has to die to self for the sake of his family. Now, right at the beginning, okay, God created, we know, Adam and Eve. And then what he did, okay, just let me just say this again. God created one woman, not another one, okay, and one man, right? Let me put it the wrong right way around. One man and then one woman, not five or six or ten. Okay, then he blessed them, and he, that means he married them. And this was the purpose of marriage. Genesis 1 verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then it says he blessed them. That's Adam and his bride. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That means have children and prosper. Fill the earth and subdue it. That means walk in God's authority. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, 
over every living thing that moves on the earth. And notice it does not say have dominion over each other. Right? Having a leader and a helper doesn't mean there's dominion over anybody. Carries on, it says, and God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be food. This is speaking about continuous prosperity and provision. In other words, family, God said, I have given you everything so that you can live happily ever after. Now, sin didn't enter. Every family would be a legacy. Every family would be happy. Every family would be prosperous. And every family would walk in peace. That was God's plan. Let's not forget, my precious family, that because of Jesus, all of those promises of Eden have been restored. We can walk in those things, but there's a price. We have to embrace his words. And we just read this in, in Romans 12 verse 1, that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That means that we've got to put these bodies, whether you're a husband, whether you're a wife, whether you're not married, on the altar every single day. That's what God expects of us. And in addition to that, they are supposed to be holy and acceptable to God, like all the sacrifices that we read in the Bible, right? Without blemish, spot, without any defect. God wants our bodies to be in submission to him all the time. Now, once again, let me ask you this question. Are our bodies a temple or a playground? Listen to this. Jesus said, I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What does that say about pornography? Here's the answer to that problem. Okay, Job 31 verse 1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? There are people here that need to make a decision about this. And you may say, but I just can't do it. Here's the answer, Jude one twenty four. It says, now to him, being able to keep you without stumbling and to set you before his glory without blemish, with unspeakable joy. So God is saying he will do it for you if you let him. Amen? Jesus really, he reinstated the Father's perfect formula for marriage. When he said this in Matthew 19 verse 5, he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Listen to this formula. One man, one woman, one covenant of marriage, one Holy Spirit equals one flesh. Now we have people saying this, but how come in the Old Testament they had five wives and 10,000 wives? <laughs> Not quite. Okay, the answer is very simple. They made up their own laws. They made up their own traditions. And sin is a thing that makes us do that. In fact, God never came up with divorce. Moses did. That was never God's idea, Right? Let me, read, let me read you this. In Mark 7, verse 9, it says, Jesus said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Listen to this. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition. Listen to this. That you have handed down. So we give it to the next tradition, uh, generation. And many such things that you do. 
Family, this is not a now problem. It's been going on for centuries. It's got nothing to do with color or culture or creed or any of those things. But we, God has taken us back to the original blueprint. Are we ready to go back to the original blueprint? Family, are you still with me? I know that the emblems are going out. I'm happy about that. But just, thank you. Just stay with me here just for another minute, okay? Listen to me. This is really important. If our tradition goes against the word of God, we are nullifying the power of God's word to work for us. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. If our tradition goes against the word of God, we are nullifying the power of God's word to work in our lives. Now, family, let me say this as well. Let me end with this. If there is any part of our culture, if there is any tradition that we have that contradicts this word, let's make sure that this word is exalted to reign supreme in our lives. Can we do that? Can we do that tonight? This is where I want to, I really want to, to say this at this time, is that we need to, I've said this a few times, that we are a family. As we receive communion tonight, very, very important time for us because I want you to see this as being something a little bit different to what we normally do. I want you to see the person sitting next to you, the, the person sitting behind you, this person sitting in front of you, because we are one family. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, for we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body because we all partake of the one bread, the one, sorry, the one bread, the one whom the communion bread represents. In other words, God says that we, we are like one loaf of bread. That's how God sees us. We're part of the body of Christ. So today, as we partake of communion, I want you to consider that. We also read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27, it says, If anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body, the body, the body, and the blood of the Lord. Remember, we're the body of Christ. It says that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Verse 29 says that if you eat the bread and drink of the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Now, before we partake tonight, that's the first thing I want to do. I would like that we just bow our heads for a moment and just make right with God. If there's anything that we need to repent of, let's do that now. If there is any person that you, that you are maybe walking in unforgiveness, make right now. Make right now, just forgive, just let it go, that we can partake and receive the body and the cup tonight. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.